<laughs> Let's just go. Are you worried that toxic habits are creeping into your workplace? Think your company culture is starting to sour? You're in the right place. This is the Culture Clinic, where my co-founder, Skay, and I are constantly learning from HR experts on how to build a culture where people love to work. My name is Joe. I'm the co-founder here at Gusto. And today we're joined by Shelly DaCosta, a 30-year HR expert in rewards and recognition. Shelly, let's uh, dive right into this week's topic. Thanks, Joe. Great to be here. Today's topic, what does bad company culture really look like? Can you think about the worst work environment you've experienced in your career? And you know what, what was wrong with it? Worst work environment. I'm going to go with emotional work environment as opposed to physical work environment because I did work for a mushroom farm. <laughs> um, literally, I did when I was part-time, still going to school and worked for, um, I was helping them recruit and hire mushroom pickers. So that was the worst physical environment ever. You can only imagine what that was like. Uh, from a physical perspective of what was going on. Um, and for those employees, like I was only there part-time, but employees that are working in the dark down, you know, in a basement all day long, just horrific. But when we really talk about environment a lot more, I know we're, we're talking about the, the culture that comes from working in an environment that's not positive from an emotional perspective or a mental perspective, right? And when I look back, it it's almost like it didn't matter if the company was large or small. The worst environments were always people generated. So it would be a particular leader got hired or a particular leader got promoted or came into the organization or new executive leadership. And then you could see this shift in in the environment and where people worked and how they felt about working there. Um, and in some cases, it was really quite interesting because you could be working for a company that was known for an amazing, strong culture and even travel globally within that culture and see elements of a great work environment. But then within one particular country or one particular area, based on the leadership, you could see some very negative culture there. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you know, I, I have the benefit or or not the benefit of having, you know, not really worked for a lot of companies because I've basically worked for a company that I started for, you know, for most of my career. But in your explanation of, you know, some some bad work environments, it kind of triggered a few things. So when I was in my early twenties, I actually worked on a farm when I was uh, working at, or living in Australia. To extend my visa in Australia, I had to work on a farm, and I worked uh, doing all sorts of things from picking watermelon and passion fruit. I didn't know what passion fruit was until I <laughs> uh, went to Australia. Uh, picked basil, and we worked for this farmer who was just a maniac. He was he was uh, I can't even explain how horrible he was to 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 work for. He would scream at us, and he would yell at us. He would throw bunches of basil at us. And we had to keep that job if we wanted to extend our visa. So we just kind of had to take it. And then and every day we'd come back from from the farm just like beaten, not only physically, but emotionally. It was it was such a horrible experience. It's fascinating because 
it, they're similar um, to my examples in that individuals kind of caused it like it was one particular individual so so when you were working on the farm in Australia you might have gotten along really well with your colleagues and and here you're learning it's kind of neat oh that's what passion fruit is and that's what that's like but it's that one individual that kind of creates that that problem so that seems to really be that common theme and you spoke the language can you imagine migrant workers where you don't speak the language and what that must be like and so this actually makes me think, right? Like I, I can't say in either of those scenarios, the culture was bad because actually there was a camaraderie amongst uh, my fellow colleagues who were also enduring abuse basically on the farm. Um, so the culture at the employee level was quite good, but he, you know, our, our boss was, was terrible to work for. And so I'm curious, from your perspective, Shelley, is there a difference between a bad company culture and a toxic company culture? So toxic's an interesting word. It's a bit of a buzzword these days. A lot of people use it. It, In my mind, it's, it's more extreme. And it, it often tends to be tied to almost like a, a psychological sense of um, you don't feel um, it trust while you're working there. Uh, people feel unsafe psychologically. They don't feel like they can bring their whole selves to work or really tell what's going on in their lives because they'll be judged. Uh, you know, uh, and and I think what we've been talking about for sure is that individuals within what could be a positive culture can make it toxic for other individuals uh, based on, you know, but it's kind of interchangeable, a bad culture, a toxic culture, you know, it's, it's, it's what makes sense to to you with the words that you want to use toxic just seems a lot more extreme and it's the word people want to use most often to describe something so vile they they want to leave but they almost feel they can't too because they need that job or they're just you know hoping that that person will eventually leave or or something will eventually be done about them but you see pockets of toxic or toxicity if you will within a good culture and that's really really hard because you know where you saw a good culture at some point in time and yet this one individual or a senior leadership team or whatever is causing this 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 problem and so do you think that one person can create a toxic culture they can i mean most often it's somebody at a senior level unfortunately because they can kind of control what's rewarded and what isn't rewarded and the kind of behaviors and values. And it takes a lot for that person to leave the organization, if you will. Not to be said that it can happen at other levels and within cliques and groups and teams and in the organization, you see that we often see it most often where we promote somebody that's very good at doing something particular within their role and they get promoted to manager or they get promoted to leading people, but really are not a good leader, right? So they're very good at what they do, but, and, you know, we, we talk about those in human resources is just how to stop that from happening. That person cannot lead people. And the longer they're allowed to, the greater the toxicity grows and the more great people leave and the more bad people get hired. And I shouldn't say bad people, but people that are also toxic because they're following those kinds of values and behaviors that have been allowed to kind of grow. Uh, and that's why I think people like the word toxic because it's kind of almost that organic nature of what can happen with it. 
uh, in the organization. Do you think that a company can have a bad culture without having bad intentions? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Very few companies start out and say, oh, you know, we're, we don't want to treat people well or we're going to, you know, have this happen. I think most of the time they don't even see what can be toxic. Um, and and they're assuming that the right people have been hired. And they, you know, when you say that company, is it the leadership team? Is it HR? You know, who's kind of looking at, wow, we've got some real problems in that particular area and what's going on and then how to address it. But it's, it's you know, almost never that situation that they set out that way. It happens it because they hire somebody and that person gets promoted and that person wasn't a true follower devout of the, of the culture that's in place and the behaviors that they want. And then it's allowed. And I often say you can really see it in the recruitment stage, especially with, um, executives often hiring based on the questions they're asking when you're in the hiring process. A lot of times as a leader in um, compensation and rewards, I'd get asked to speak to those executives or those senior people. And, you know, based on the questions they would ask about their package or what was going to happen in the organization, I would see red flags in terms of you know, you want to know about the corner office and, and you want to know about the espresso machine in your office, or are you going to have a cooler and a small bar fridge? Like that doesn't kind of fit the company's culture. And it's amazing how you could, you know, try to raise alarm bells, but people are like, no, 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 this person's fabulous. It's a huge catch that we're hiring. This person is great. And then everybody wonders a few months later, why it didn't work out. They just were the wrong fit for the organization. And what's even worse is if they're allowed to continue in those behaviors and hire people like-minded with them as well, then you've got, you know, that toxic workplace because it continues to grow. So I, th I think about sort of bad culture and toxic culture. <sighs> I'm really trying to differentiate the two. And, and one thing that comes to mind for me is that bad culture could be when decisions are made, and that could be at the company level or even at the individual level by a leader or manager, and those decisions are made without considering how it will impact people. Um, that's one thing that comes to me, comes to mind for me when thinking about bad culture. And then, you know, toxic to me s s just feels bigger and almost as if somebody or the organization is almost sinister or working against someone or your people, right? Like I want to look good. So I'll make them look bad or I don't know, just this cutthroat environment. Yeah. And so I don't know, I want to spend another second on this to see if we can kind of like really differentiate between bad culture and toxic culture. I, I agree with you. You know, it's just, it's hard to imagine that people are overtly consciously sinister in the workplace. I, I, I think, you know, we want to assume good intention and everybody's trying to do their best. But I agree with you, you know, one of the big red flags are not looking at the impact of what their actions are, not looking at the impact of their words, not looking at the impact of when I'm the senior leader in this organization and I say this at a meeting, how it's going to make other people at that meeting feel that don't feel included or don't feel like they can, you know, understand that or what have you. So that can feel very sinister. 
Um, but I think it would be in extreme cases where the person purposely, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, feels like a, an episode of Mean Girls type of a, a, an environment. And I'm not saying that doesn't happen, especially where you can have, um, I'm going to say, I don't want to say retail per se, but we've got large groups of employees and you can have groups and cliques and things like that. Okay, so let's let's try and yeah. take it a step further here. What factors, in your opinion, contribute the most to a bad workplace culture? Turning a blind eye to things, for sure. Um, toxic leaders, allowing it to, to permeate and to go on. Um, and not hiring to the values and not paying attention to employment equity and, and diversity, inclusivity, th- those kinds of things. Just just not continuing to grow and learn and and having the wrong attitude about about your people and what they can bring to light and how important your employees are. So studies show that on average, about 70% of people leave an organization because of a bad relationship with their manager. So mm-hmm. people leave managers, not companies. What are your thoughts around you know, the impact that managers have? Is it that they, a lot of managers don't know how to manage? We hear a lot that managers aren't giving enough recognition or showing enough appreciation. Yeah, well, that one's huge because managers are, are your culture bearers. I mean, hopefully all employees are. But they're the ones really leading the way. That's what we call them leaders, right? So they should be walking the talk and and leading first with those behaviors that are important to the organization so that they're, you know, they need to model the behavior that we want to see in all of our employees in the organization. And if they're not, then we've got some culture issues and definitely, you know, so if we want that culture of recognition, we want that culture of acknowledging how great people are and what they can do and what they can bring. We want those leaders recognizing people and we want those leaders to feel recognized themselves. So you, you know, you want to reward and recognize for the right thing. Yeah. You said something there that really stood out to me and that is that we need to recognize those leaders as well. I think that often it's forgotten that we need to show leaders what great looks like. So I'm curious, Shelley, are there any elements of bad culture that a lot of companies overlook or even believe to be positive? I think one in particular comes to mind and that is, you know, we, we read about it a lot these days and that busyness ethic, the workaholic, the, you know, slaving away, putting in 12 hour days. And that's great because we met the deal, we completed it on time, or we got this done, you know, um, and and you've got walking wounded <laughs> in here, uh, or they may not even be walking in your organization as a result. But it's it's like that busyness as a badge of honor. You know, I, I'm doing my emails at night and I'm working on the project on the weekends because I don't have any time. And, and that's almost reward. Hey, how are you doing? Oh, I worked all night. I got, oh, wow, me too. All right. And you create this culture um, where somebody who, you know, can't do that, doesn't want to do that. That's not healthy. That's not good. It's being like, I don't fit here. Because it seems like unless I'm on with everybody on Slack at night, talking away where they're, you know, doing this meet, many meeting in the workplace, you know, off hours, then I don't belong. You know, it, it it's almost back to the, if I don't golf and that's where all the decisions are made out on the golf course, um, then I don't belong, right? And so I think that that's a really big example of 
where it, it can create a bad company culture, but it's too often rewarded or overlooked that this is what you're doing. And that, you know, leaders will say to their employees, it's okay, I, I don't need you to respond to me till morning, but, you know, I have to get my emails out. So I'm going to do this tonight because that's how I, I work and that's right. Or, or watch who's rewarded and who's recognized. Are they the people that are always busy as opposed to, you know, really looking at what's accomplished, what's, what are people getting done and what's the expectations? A few years ago, right? Like we senior leaders, our leaders, I have to be honest, I was not thoughtful around when I would send messages, for example, not because I wanted people to work after hours or work themselves to the ground. Um, I just didn't really think about the impact that that might have on the person receiving the message, right? Like, or, or, or what that was signaling. And so people probably felt like they needed to respond to me right away. And so our people leader, Noah, um, flagged that and said like, Hey, we, we need to think about how and when we're communicating with people and what's that, what that's doing to sort of like signal when, and you know, how hard they should work hard. A couple other things that you mentioned that I thought of, there's this get shit done mentality that sort of like glamorizes workaholism. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't get shit done, but we should get shit done, not at the expense of, of our people and our, 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 the joy that we have in life. Right. And then to take that a step further, being a founder or co-CEO at a company, there are colleagues who wear this lack of sleep as like a badge of honor. You know, oh, I sleep for all, I sleep four hours a night, you know, and I get up and I do the thing and I work till dark and it's like, yeah, yeah, I did that for a while and it's, it's soul crushing. And last question on the board. So what are the best steps you can take to turn bad company culture around? I think we go back to setting clear behaviors and values that, that the company stands for, right? Really that, that big think around who are we, and what do we tolerate and what do we not tolerate um, and hire accordingly for that. I think it's also really important for leaders, for human resources, for, you know, to keep your ear to the ground in the organization, find out how people are really feeling about the culture. Do they understand it? Do they know it? Do they live it? Do they feel that all people live it? Do they feel that the leaders are living that with their leaders or the executive? Um, do they trust? Do they feel they can bring their whole selves up? You know, and you can do that ear to the ground with your one-on-ones with your employees. You can do that with surveys and engagement surveys, um, pulse surveys. And and it's a great one sometimes. Every once in a while, they have just some focus groups. Hey, we want to talk about company culture. Let's have some focus groups and have people get together and talk about what feels right about the culture, what doesn't. You know, do they ever feel unsafe in the culture? Those kinds of things. And then respond accordingly. Would you ever use like glass door reviews, for example, as a pulse check. Absolutely. And and what, um, you know, glass door, anything else that's going on in social media that employees are, are chatting about, you know, look at your, your Slack channels, look at your Yammer, those pieces. Um, and even on LinkedIn, um, you know, it's a great indicator, I think, of an employee posting on LinkedIn how proud they are to work for their organization that something happened or that they received a recognition at their organization and how it makes them feel. Because they're going out now to the world behind, you know, on LinkedIn talking about their company and how much they like working for it and what it means to them. 
Um, that That's really big. That's another ear to the ground, looking at those kinds of things. So follow your employees on LinkedIn, see what they have to say. And what role do you think recognition plays in turning bad company culture around? Oh, it, it's it's huge because... You know, if you're launching new behaviors, you're launching a new culture or a twist to your culture, or you want to relaunch the culture, recognition is one of the best ways to kind of get that out there and and praise people for modeling those behaviors, right? Because you can, you know, you can have leaders say, oh, Shelly, I see that, you know, you were, you put your hand up and jumped on that team and, you know, being a part of a team and working as a team is one of our great, you know, that's something that's part of our culture and that's really important to us. See, you're doing that. So boom, award, recognize, you know, even peer to peer, all of those kinds of things. Recognition gives you that platform to allow you to reinforce the behaviors of your employees. And face it, so much of culture is all about behaviors. And recognition tools allow you to reinforce those behaviors, praise those behaviors, and recognize them. We hear from companies all the time that it's not only transformative, but but cost-effective. Correct. Right. And transformative for culture is a big win. Just hand on that sound bite right there. (laughs) Changing your company culture isn't just good for the people working for you. It can also drive gains in innovation, productivity, and other areas. We actually talk more about this in our new guide, Culture is the Ultimate Advantage, where we explain how culture acts as the great multiplier that can give you an edge over your competitors in every part of your business. Click the link in the description to get your copy. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to follow us so you don't miss an episode. And don't forget to recognize someone for a job well done today. Mucho gusto.